Hello there, friends. How are we doing this fine day? Hopefully fantastic. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. Just wanted to welcome you into another online service. Hey, here at Agora Bible, our heart is that every believer is connected to a local body of believers. And so our intention with this video is that it's just a supplement. Either it's extra time in God's word for you, or you're out traveling and don't want to miss a service. So either way, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, a couple of things to just point your attention to. The first thing is we would love for you to text us any prayer requests to 97,000. That's 97 and three zeros. We would love to pray for you this week. So there's a bunch going on here at our church at this local body of believers here in Agora Hills. And the best way to find everything that's going on, whether it's our ministries, different ways to get connected in groups, different ways to serve, all of that you can find information on our website. That's agorabible.org. Another thing you can do on the website is give. Thank you so much for supporting the ministries here at ABF. We appreciate it a ton. It is honestly the only way that we can continue to do what we do. So if you're interested in giving and supporting the ministries here, you can do that online as well at agorabible.org. So that being said, hey, we value God's word and we are excited to dive into it together today. Without further ado, here we go. Well, thank you so much for joining us for another online service. My name is Chris Kerner. I'm the high school and junior high uh, director here at ABF and so happy to be up here with you guys uh, as we are continuing in our series, Better Together, uh, our study through the book of 1 Corinthians, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth uh, to a bunch of young Christians uh, that uh, were asking him a lot of questions and had a lot of concerns. And, and the whole letter, the whole book is about him addressing those questions. Uh, I appreciate uh, Pastor Scott this last month who has had uh, just uh, uh, some uh, chapters that have just been really uh, tackling uh, uh, relationships and sex and divorce and singleness and, and all of that stuff. So I'm so thankful for his leadership and his teaching uh, that he's been able to do that. And I uh, cannot talk about that. Uh, so... Um, we are in chapter 8 uh, today, chapter 8, and we're going to see that Paul is answering a question here over a concern that they brought up to him again. We've already talked about that, but this one regarding to eat meat or not to eat meat, uh, to eat meat or not to eat meat, to eat or not to eat. Uh, that's the title of this message. I had a little fun with that. Uh, in college, I studied Shakespeare a lot, and, uh, and I had to study Hamlet, and so to be or not to be has always been ingrained in my mind, so uh, to eat or not to eat, uh, that's the title I used. Uh, so, uh, but my question starting out in this message is this. How many of you have had trouble this week with eating meat that's been sacrificed uh, at a temple? Anyone? No? Uh, me either. Uh, I've, not, I've never struggled with eating meat. Uh, meat. Uh, actually, I'm quite good at eating meat, and I have no issues there. Uh, but that is kind of where we're at here. This is what the, the early Christians are asking. Can they eat this meat uh, that's been sacrificed? And as I was first reading this passage, I was thinking, Okay, how do I make this relevant for us today in 2022, where most of us, uh, we eat meat and we don't think about that. Uh, but as I was looking at the passage and praying through it, I realized I might not have ever struggled eating meat, but I've had struggles in my life. I've had questions 
as a Christ follower, what is okay and what's not okay. And so that's where we're kind of going with it today in chapter 8. So I'm going to pray for us before we dive in and we'll get into it. Lord, dear Jesus, we thank you so much for uh, the time to open up your word and dig deep into your word. And we thank you so much for uh, what we're going to learn today, Lord. We thank you for uh, this church and for this service, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit will just move uh, and that we will open our eyes and our ears to what you want us to get out of today's passage, Lord. I thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to teach and that we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Well, again, we're in chapter 8. It's a short chapter. There's only 13 verses, so we're going to go into it. And again, uh, this idea of, okay, we don't struggle necessarily with meat, and we're going to kind of understand here in a few minutes why they struggled with this situation. But as I was thinking, man, I've had struggles. When I was 17, that's when I first became a Christian. And uh, when I first got saved, I kind of went extreme. I, I, I was uh, going from a, a, a person where I was at the lowest point in my life and then I became a Christ follower, I went extreme, so much so that uh, one of the first things I did, I went into my room, and no joke, I threw away every single CD that I had. And not just throw them away, like, I actually, I remember I opened up uh, CDs and I smashed them because I thought maybe that meant more, whatever, I don't know. But I threw every single CD I had in the trash. Not just the ones that had explicit on the uh, covers, but all of them, like all the classic ones, the Beatles, the uh, Beach Boys, and all of this stuff, because I said, if I'm going to go all out, I'm going to go all out. So I threw away all the music that I had. And after a few months, uh, I was only buying Christian CDs, and I remember meeting uh, with mentors that, that were discipling me, and I remember being in the car with one of them, and he was like enjoying a song. I think it was honestly from like uh, classic, like Beach Boys or whatever, and I remember being puzzled, like how can this guy claim to be a Christian, yet listening to this music? And then after some time and, and uh, seeing uh, God knows our hearts, and, and obviously you don't want to listen to music that is full of vulgar, uh, vulgar language and all that stuff, uh, I was like, okay, some music can be okay. That's not necessarily Christian. And then in Chicago, I was confused again because after a few years of this, um, my now sister-in-law went to a Christian school. And uh, this, mu uh, this school was very, very strict. Uh, they did not allow any bass playing or electric guitar or drums in their worship. True, true thing. Maybe you've heard of uh, churches and schools like this. Uh, and the students in the parking lots were not allowed to listen to any type of music that had electric guitars, drums, or bass, or they would be in trouble. So Again, it kind of confused me. Okay, well, I thought some music was okay as long as it was fairly clean. Uh, uh, and, and so, again, I kind of went into questioning, well, what is okay? Well, this, this music is, is actually a gray area. It's more about our hearts. And I learned to this time that there's a lot of other areas like that in our life. Uh, specifically, uh, in talking about, you know, uh, rather to watch movies or, you know, dancing. You know, in some, some regions, uh, you know, dancing was prohibited. Uh, are tattoos okay to smoke a cigar or not? Is that permissible? And I don't know about you, 
But maybe your story is very similar where you were trying to figure out as a new Christian that balance. How do you navigate through the gray areas in the Christian life? What's prohibited and what's permissible? And maybe you're still trying to figure that out in certain areas. Looking back how I was, my struggles as a young new Christian has given me some understanding, some understanding in what is going on in the first century with these young Christians in Corinth. Their issue wasn't music, it wasn't CDs, it wasn't uh, watching movies or, or to have drums in the worship set or not. Their issue was meat. Meat. See, during this time, two sources primarily were, is where you bought meat. Two sources primarily, you either bought meat at the general marketplace or you bought it at the temple. It was very common during this time to buy meat at the temple. Why? Because there were so many animal sacrifices that happened. It was routine. And so at the temple, they would have a lot of leftover meat. And during this time, sacrifices, because they were so uh, routine, uh, there would be, they would be divided into three pieces because there was so much, uh, and so, so many uh, sacrifices. Uh, so the first piece um, would go to uh, the gods and the idols that they would sacrifice to. So, so the piece of the, of the sacrifice would stay on the altar for the gods and idols. Uh, the second divided piece would go to the person that was making the offering, so they would get to take home some of the meats. And then the third piece uh, would actually go to the priests of the temple. So this sacrifice would be divided into three pieces. So after you have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sacrifices and you had all of these sacrifices, there was a lot of leftover meat. So what priests would do, they would make some extra money. They didn't need all that meat. So they would go and they would sell it at the butcher shops. During this time, they also believed that demonic spirits would attach themselves to meat trying to possess that person. So with meat being sold at the temple and it being leftovers from a sacrifice to a foreign god and an idol, these Corinthians, these young Christians are asking, Paul, is it okay to eat this meat or not? So, there is a, there, there's a little bit of history and context for where we are picking this up. So chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians, here we go. Verse 1, Paul starts off saying this. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Verse 1, I love this. It's just such a sweet reminder for us Christians uh, that we have the gift and the uh, ability to be able to communicate and to ask questions uh, to God, that we're able to ask questions and seek wisdom and guidance from uh, spiritual mentors, and, and more importantly, to be able to bring questions and ask to the Holy Spirit. And Paul's first point in addressing this concern is, is this idea of dealing with the knowledge versus love, in which I believe is the whole key to this whole chapter 8. So we're going to spend a little more time in these few verses than the others, because I believe that this is where, uh, th this is the anchor here. So during this time, 
Corinthians loved and valued knowledge. They loved and valued knowledge. And now Paul is stating that knowledge by itself is incomplete. Paul says that that knowledge can, can puff up, but love builds up. Here, the Christians who have walked with Jesus a little longer understand what they are free to do. They understand their Christian liberty, their their freedom. Uh, Yet they are becoming arrogant in their knowledge where it's causing some division, some frustrations, and some questions amongst the other believers, primarily the believers that are newer to the faith, newer Christ followers. Now, Paul isn't saying that knowledge is bad. Knowledge is actually really good. We know that. But the warning here is that it can puff up, cause arrogance, can give off the wrong impression. Paul is saying to stay away from spiritual arrogance, that, uh, that the, the whole I am right, you are wrong, and here is why. It's so funny. I, I told you my struggles with kind of wrestling with, with the music. Uh, what can I listen to? Do I always just can only listen to For Him or Michael W. Smith or whatever it was in the 90s, right, in the 2000s? Uh, and I remember a few years later after that, uh, as a leader in high school group, I think I was like 23, 24, a uh, high schooler was asking me, do you think I can listen to the song? And I was like, why can't you? Like, it doesn't have any, like, I, all of a sudden, like, I had all the answers. I had become, like, this enlightened Christian. And I remember thinking back, man, I wasn't a very good leader in that situation. I should have mentored and answered questions of why it was okay and not. Paul is saying, stay away from the spiritual arrogance that can creep into our lives. And that this mindset is not Christ-like at all. And we know in Scripture that God actually does not like pride. He does not like arrogance. He actually hates pride. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23-24, says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. We see in verse 3 in Corinthians, in this chapter 8, he says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Paul is pretty much summing up this idea in this first passage that it's not what you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and more importantly, it's who knows you. Real knowledge is knowing God, in turn, knowing when and how to love like God. Real knowledge is knowing God, in turn, knowing when and how to love like God. This passage is really just Paul reminding us that Christians, that as Christians, that we should lead with love first. It's not about necessarily eating meat or not. It's about how we're responding, and we should be leading with love in our response. We see that in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, that God is, the, God is love, that he's the originator and creator of love, that our ability to love each other all comes from God because he is the originator of love, and we need to become more like him. In John 3.16, we know this, that for God so loved 
the world that he gave his son. Paul states that above all else, we should love. Love always allows us to elevate. Love allows us to elevate. Elevating others first before us. It's not necessarily about the meat here. It's about our response. Are we elevating others first? And guess what? Jesus modeled this perfectly. He modeled this behavior perfectly. We see all throughout Scripture he modeled this, elevating others above himself. We see that in feeding of the hungry 5,000 people and washing the disciples' feet and eventually dying on the cross, sacrificing himself for all of us. Paul is really addressing the question, how are we doing in loving our brothers and sisters? This is a question that doesn't just translate to the first century church in Corinth. This is a question that we should be asking every single day. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is asked a question, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answers this. This is in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend on all the law and the prophets. Love is elevating someone's needs above ours, but also it should build others up in truth and wisdom. In verse 3, Paul states, if you love God, you are known by God. And I just kind of want to just pick this out real quick because being known by God is a special, special thing, right? Being, being known by someone is a wonderful thing. The creator of the universe calls you son and daughter. He calls me son. He knows everything about me. He knows everything about you. He knows your heart in every single matter. What a beautiful reminder here in verse 3 that we are known by God. He's the originator of love, and he knows us and loves us. The more you know God and spend time with him, I promise you, the more you'll become like him. Continuing on, verse 4. You guys with me? I know, I had three verses, and, and, and it's already been some time, but it's all good. Short chapter. Verse 4, continuing on. Therefore, Paul says, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. So Paul is addressing, hey, knowledge versus love, love is better, you need to lead with love, elevate others, and then he goes on saying, okay, all right, now to your specific question, now to your specific question. So during this time, Greeks and Romans were poly, polythe, uh, polytheist. Well, let me do that one again. Cut. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> polytheistic, 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 polytheistic. Okay. During this time, 
Greeks and Romans were polytheistic. They were believing, they believed in many, many gods and evil spirits. And remember, they believed that evil spirits would, would invade humans by attaching themselves to food before it was eaten. And during this time when they did sacrifices, a sacrifice, you did a sacrifice uh, for, for two, two reasons. Two things came out of it. The first one was to gain favor with the God the God that they were sacrificing to. And the second was to cleanse the meat from the evil spirits, the demon. And the, these, uh, the spirits could be removed uh, only by the foods being sacrificed to a God, by the meat being sacrificed to a God. Now we read this and we might ask like, okay, well, why does it really bother them? Like, don't they, they don't believe in that anymore. They, they don't believe in pagan worship. They're not doing that anymore. Meat being sold reminded new Gentile believers of their past pagan lifestyles. This was a sensitive area. This is a sensitive area for them. Paul states in this passage, we Christians, we, we all have knowledge. And because of that, he says the, the deities are false. Now, idols have no real existence. They're, they're actually just main, uh, man-made objects. That evil spirits do not contaminate meat. They do not attach themselves to the meats. And that, in fact, Christians have power over the demons, meaning if you're a Christ follower, uh, we have power over the demons. They flee, just like they, they did uh, when Jesus sent them into the pigs. And Paul says that, yes, there's, there's these gods, the little g gods, or there are many gods, but they're not real because there's only one true God. Still, during this time, People worshipped man-made idols and gods that they created in their minds, just like today. We see people, even in the year 2022, worshipping many idols, many foreign gods, many spirits. This isn't the first time that Paul has addressed this situation with idols, gods, spirits, etc. In Acts chapter 17, we see that Paul in Athens uh, is taken to the Areopagus where uh, he sees many, many altars and many, many uh, 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 idols there. And he sees that there is an altar even to, and it has the title, to the unknown God in case they missed any God. So this place in Areopagus, they have all of these altars to all of these idols and gods. And they have one, an altar, just in case, just in case they missed one. And Paul is reminding the Corinthians here that there's only one God, the one true God. He's revisiting the Shema, the one true God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. God was the creator. All small gods and idols were created after the creator created. And Paul is reminding them of this. God is the originator of all things. He came first. Every idol and God, a little g, is made up of someone's mind, of their, uh, of their imagination. In verse 6, Yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through him whom are all things and through whom we exist. Paul reminds us here that there is just one Lord, Jesus, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way 
in the truth, in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Paul's reminder to the Corinthians here is the same reminder that he has for us. Stay close to God. Stay close to the one true God. Continuing into the last part in this passage, in verse 7, Paul continues, However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. So quick note here, in verse 7, he talks of this defiled conscience. This defiled conscience, it's a conscience that's been violated, bringing fear, bringing shame and guilt. Newer Christians during this time, they, they struggled with believing that the evil spirits were associated with this meat that was sacrificed. So because of that, they are so confused. They don't know if they can eat it or not. So because of that, they accuse other Christians for partaking in their freedom to be able to eat the meat, for not feeling guilty of eating the meat. And this is understandable. Again, if, if we look at our lives and things that we've struggled in these areas, not necessarily with eating meats, but in these gray areas, just like me being confused with music when I was throwing it all away and then eventually bought more music, we've all had this type of confusion. And we need to be sensitive to others that struggle in certain areas. In verse 9, Paul talks about being a stumbling block. A stumbling block, a, a circumstance that causes difficulty or hesitation. And, I, and that could be, uh, unfortunately, me or you can be a stumbling block. And he warns to not be a stumbling block. Um, this one stuck out to me a little more. Uh, I, uh, you guys know I, I have four kids. I love them all. And uh, these uh, blocks uh, are actually kind of special to the Kerner household because uh, we bought these blocks when uh, Caleb was a baby. He's 13 and a half now, uh, going on 32 because uh, he's so wise. Uh, but uh, we had these blocks for now over 13 years, and they're really cool because every single kid that we have have now played with them. And how we used to play back, uh, you know, is, is I, I loved building with them. So we would build blocks, uh, we would try to stack them up, and, uh, and the favorite thing was I would build a big tower, and uh, they would just destroy all the hard work. They would just throw them around, and they laughed. It was, it was, it was amazing. Sometimes, though, they wanted to help build. So I would put a piece here, then I would give them a piece, and then they would go here, and then maybe, you know, they, they'd take this piece and go here, and then, and then this, and then all of a sudden, it would be their turn, and they would want to take a piece that was like this, and they would put it here. And then they would move this. And then they were mad because this could not go on here. 
And what they didn't understand was that this type of peace became a stumbling block, right? Be, see what I did there? Because it stopped the growth. It stopped the foundation from being built. It, it stopped the progress that we're seeing. It, it stopped the building of this tower. So they'd be so mad that this couldn't... See what I'm saying? So Paul is saying, don't be this block. Fellow Christian, enjoy your freedom. Know what you can and cannot do. God knows your hearts. But don't be this block to fellow believers. Don't be this block. Don't cause people to stumble. Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 13, Paul says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Some of these young believers during this time, again, this was a sensitive area. They were reminded of their past pagan lifestyle uh, it would cause them to get back into this sinful way of thinking, uh, with, uh, worshiping idols involved with foods offered to idols. Now, in 2022, uh, we don't necessarily understand this because we don't deal with this. But for us, maybe there are some, some specific examples that maybe you've experienced or, or, or things that we can think of. In 2022, it, it, might, it might be an example of, uh, you know, uh, is drinking permissible? Absolutely, right? Uh, there's wisdom in that, uh, and uh, in definitely in moderation, but, but maybe you enjoy having a glass of wine, okay? So, but your fellow brother or sister has been sober for a year. Now, them seeing you drink a, wine, a glass of wine might not be the wisest thing, and maybe they're trying to refrain from from any type of alcohol. So maybe inviting them to come to have a drink with you or when you're inviting them over to your house, maybe put the wine away for that night until they're gone, right? Don't be a stumbling block. Or maybe there, there's a movie that you really want to watch, a, a movie that's a favorite one of yours and, and, and it doesn't cause you to stumble in any way. Uh, but, you know, there might be a couple of scenes in there that uh, involve uh, nudity or, or some um, sexual uh, scenes in there. Um, and, and maybe your fellow brother and sister have struggled uh, with sexual, uh, sexual immorality. Um, and, and so maybe not watching that movie with them or inviting them over or going to the movie theater to watch that movie, maybe that is the wise thing to do, to not be a stumbling block for them. Or another one, maybe uh, you enjoy playing uh, some cards and, and, and even maybe you're gambling, uh, you know, fake poker chips and, and, you know, and you might see that that's harmless and it's not, uh, you know, you're not feeling convicted and, and, and you feel like that's okay. Uh, but maybe there's someone that uh, you want to invite that's been struggling with, uh, with a severe gambling uh, addiction. So there's wisdom in understanding your fellow Christian brother and sister. We need to be building blocks. We need to be Christians that add strength and foundation to our fellow believers. In verse 12, Paul gives a strong warning that causing someone to stumble is more than simply an offense against that person. It's a serious offense against the Lord himself. In Matthew 18, verse 7, Jesus says, Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come. 
but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. Don't be a stumbling block. Be a building block. Now to close, I kind of want to give you guys a couple of challenges. None of us are dealing with eating meat sacrificed to idols and gods. But every day as Christ followers, as Christians, we have the decision to elevate others or not, to, to have our knowledge puffed up or to let love build up. Every day we have this decision. So two challenges that I want to leave you with, both for the new believer and the old believer. The first challenge is this. This is for the seasoned Christian. You've been following Jesus for, for quite some time. You have some experience in this. You've been a Christian for a while. The challenge for you is to look to mentor a younger believer, to mentor a younger person, a new person who has recently given their life to Christ. I had that person in my life. I'm sure you had that person in your life. It's your turn now. Don't hold that biblical knowledge that you've gained, that biblical wisdom, uh, the truth that you have learned through the years of experience. Don't hold that. Don't keep that to yourself. Pass it down to a new believer, to a younger person. Be a Paul to them. The second challenge here is for those who are newer believers, those who are newer Christians that have committed to their lives to Jesus. My challenge to you would be seek to be discipled. Seek to be discipled. Don't be afraid to ask, to ask questions. Pursue wisdom through godly people. Don't be afraid to say, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. Is this okay or not okay? Am I allowed? Am I permitted to do this? We have a God that can answer all of the tough questions. And we have people in this body, in this church body, that are so good at loving and encouraging and discipling people. So maybe if you're that newer Christian, that newer believer, my challenge to you is to ask the questions and seek wisdom, seek to be discipled and mentor. Be a Corinthian. Not fully, but be a Corinthian and seek wisdom. Lastly, if you're attending and you're watching uh, this service and, and you haven't yet uh, uh, given your life to Jesus, well, we're so thankful that you're watching this and we're so thankful for those who uh, come to ABF on a regular basis. And my challenge to you would be to keep seeking, to keep searching, to keep asking questions because there is a God that loves you. And uh, we at uh, Goro Bible, we would love to have a conversation with you, uh, uh, be able to have time to dialogue with you. If you would love to have more information on this topic or, or any other questions regarding uh, the Christian walk and, and about Jesus. All right, let me pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this text, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we can read your word 2,000 years later, and it's still true to us today, Lord. Thank you for the challenge of, of seeking others, to, to elevate others before ourselves, to love like you, Lord. And we're so thankful for this chance to be able to study your word together, Lord. And uh, Lord, give us uh, the chance this week to find opportunities to mentor, to disciple uh, newer believers or, or those around us that are struggling in these situations or, or in areas in their life of what is okay and not okay and what's biblical and what's not biblical, Lord. And we're so thankful for the opportunity to be able to uh, dialogue with other believers because you are so good and you're so faithful to answer. 
We love you. We lift you up. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for watching, and we hope and pray that you guys have an amazing week. God bless you.